Welcome back to Meet the Creatives. I am here today with Adam Morgan, who is the Senior Creative Director at Adobe in Utah. Welcome to Meet the Creatives, Adam. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, let's start from the beginning of your journey. Um, I know that sometimes, like when you're a kid, you kind of have these moments where, um, you know, you kind of have an epiphany moment or like, you know, your parents recognize that you're creative. When was the eureka moment where you know that you wanted to work in the creative field and uh, how early on was that? Oh, there are certainly stories from childhood. I mean, I created a lot of board games, surprisingly. That was where really? where my mind went. Yeah, That's like, so cool. I love that. And I may have met a wood and Indians and uh, cowboy figurines is kind of where it started wow. back in the day. But uh, I don't know. It, it was always, you know, for me, it was a love of language. I made up a whole bunch of different words uh, growing up and in high school. Uh, kind of, even to this day, my, all of my swear words aren't based on because I'm trying to avoid <laughs> swear words. Is because I just love fascinating, interesting words. Anyhow, so that's that was kind of the beginnings. But uh, it was, you know, in college, I, I actually wanted to be an inventor. So the creative side, I wanted to be a chemical engineer. So I went to college to do that and then realized, man, I am going to be bored to tears in these labs and all alone. Yeah. And so then I looked for a job that was where you could come up with stuff every day and still be around people and have high energy. And that's where I landed in advertising. It was back in the mid nineties. It was a DSW and they were a, a tech tech agency. And I worked on the Intel account for a while. Right. And then from there, you know, that was kind of like the, <clears throat> the early beginnings, um, moved from there to uh, Publicis. Mm -hmm. There's actually another agency that was, um, called the Evans group. And then it was bought out. Actually, you know what? I've been through four agency mergers. <laughs> wow. Because uh, DSW was bought out by Euro RSCG, and then Evans Group was bought out by Publicis. And then I, you know, after that, for you. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Then I went up to Jackson Hole for five years in this little creative boutique that was um, Riddell Advertising that was bought out. Um, and then finally came back, you know, looked around, came back to Salt Lake just to stay close to mountains and, and family. But, um, and that agency, it was Bodian Partners, and then it was bought out by McCann. So, that's where I was for a while. And then the next agency after that, Thomas Arts was another agency in Utah, like the second biggest at the time in, in Utah. Wow. And was there for seven years. So yeah, 20 years at agency life before I went to Adobe. That's so crazy. I know that, you know, we went to before the podcast that you worked with guys like Steve Babcock and uh, obviously, you know, working at McCann and the publicists, like there's so many um, great people you're working alongside. Um, and even though there are mergers and acquisitions and, you know, all, all that stuff, um, it can be quite fun and exhilarating to work in that environment. Like what are some of the biggest things that you learned from your time in McCann and, and you know, a publicist? What are some of the biggest things for entry level advertisers, copywriters, creative professionals? What are some of the biggest things you've learned in terms of like navigating that space? That's an interesting question. So yeah, bro, I'm bringing heat with no question. <laughs> <Bring it. laughs> um, working in agency is like, I've always explained it like dog years. Because you may have so many accounts or so many different teams or, or projects that you're working on, rather than just seeing, seeing one cycle of, of a year for all the different projects and whatnot for an, a, an, a client or a business, right. you get to work on tons. And so one of the biggest lessons I learned was just how to adapt and grow and learn, okay, when I'm you know, writing ads for this client, you know, what's the tone, what's the voice, what's the style? And then I got to switch really quickly to another client, another another style. So it's, it's learning to the same day kind of thing yeah. quickly. Yeah. Not just be stuck in your own style. I mean, you really, when you're creative at an agency, you, you have to learn to be super adaptable. 
because it's not like, you know, if you, if I went out to just be a novelist, and I want to write books. I'm, I want to find my, my style. I want to find my unique voice, but you're like a ghostwriter or a ghost, whatever designer for this business. You have to learn to adapt. And those who thrive are the ones who can really come up with multiple voices and multiple looks. You know, if you go to a designer and they typically, if you say, give me three looks, they're going to give you one really good look, one derivative of that look. And then one that just never is going to work because right. it's just a mess. Right. But those who are really good, will give you three different looks and it's amazing. So, or three different styles of headlines or three different concepts, whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is learning to adjust and, and being in some of those big agencies over the years, it was, you know, there's, there are a lot of great talented people out there, amazing people. And so it just ups your game. Your, your level of skill grows really quickly because you see all those around you coming up with amazing ideas and you want to join in on that. So you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing yourself. So advice to the, to those getting into the business is, I mean, it's, it's like to be a good writer, you have to be a good reader and to be a good advertising person, you have to make a lot of great ads. So just make tons and tons and tons of them. Yeah, for sure. And you learn early on. I, ideas are cheap. Like they're, they're not sacred. If you learn to make the right connections, if you learn to figure it out. And, and I think for me, it's a little different. A lot of, a lot of creatives think it's some sort of a, a Zen or they come at it at a very organic approach, right? Where it's like, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to start thinking of all these crazy, crazy things. Right. And, and that certainly works for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It works for a lot of people. And it is, you, you have to learn that there's, that ideas come quickly once you've kind of trained your brain to do that. But for me, I'm, I guess I yeah, consider myself, go, I consider myself a little brain. more of a central brainer. So there's like the left and the right brainers, whatever we're, go, if we're going to colloquialisms. But if I think of myself more as a central brainer in that I've done the process. I've done the creative process of coming up with ideas and, and pushing and pushing and pushing. But I've also studied it enough that I'm kind of given this analytical approach to it where it's not just I go in and then just it's this black box of magic, right, where I just come up with a bunch of crazy ideas. I mean, there, there are patterns. There are things. There are methods to the madness. Yeah. When you're coming up with concepts, I mean, it's really if I have to distill coming up with creative ideas down to its essence, it's making connections. That's really what it is. You could, you know, simple exercises, write a whole list of one thing, you know, of the two things you're trying to marry, write two lists and then just see how they cross over and see what connections you make. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. That's awesome. If you really look through all the, the creative award shows, it's just people taking one context and another and putting them together in a new way. So making those connections is what it's all about. And there are ways that you can train your brain to quickly make those connections rather than just sitting there in a fog and waiting for something to kind of spark. Yeah. There are a lot of creative exercises that you can do to, to get there faster. I'm so fast. Like you have my ears. Like you have no idea. Like because I've been trying to figure it. I'm trying to trying to figure it out because I think that it's like natural intuition. But I feel like there's got to be like oh, no. Yeah. No, there are patterns, especially like in headline writing. I mean, I think I, I when I I teach like new young writers. Here's here's headline writing. Here's concepting. Here's coming up with campaigns. And there's like maybe a good thirty patterns of headlines that are out there. Um, so once you break it down and see the formulas, but, and also as far as like finding good, good exercises to get concepts and bringing them together quicker, uh, there's a couple good books that you should read. One is, um, jumpstart your brain by Doug Hall. Okay. Like that one, he really talks about brain draining versus Eureka moments and how, if you really think about it, you're, we, we all have awesome brains. They can make connections, but it's usually they're, they're starved for fodder. Right. Right. And so the way you get more fodder into your head in that moment of what you're working on, you know, if let's say you're working on car tires and you're trying to come up with some, some ad for it, mm. 
you could, you know, one exercise is make a whole list of all the things that are around. Just make a huge list of them and right. just throw them out there. Or look, what I do is grab a, a, a thesaurus or a dictionary or whatever it may be. Make a big list of that. And then make a big list of all the product attribute, attributes of the product that you're trying to do. And just in making those two lists, your mind will start making all those connections. That's, That's one awesome. option. Another one is like, you know, cloud mapping, where you take that idea, that central idea, and put it in the middle and then find, okay, let's say there's five attributes. You draw those five spokes off of that. And then when, on each of those attributes, make a circle and write all the attributes on that. And then all the attributes oh. off of that. So you spoke and spoke and spoke out. And then suddenly you're making connections of on one idea waver on the left to one over on the right. And you're like, there it is. Right. And now it's like Because your brain's kind of being like thought. Yeah. Like your brain's yeah, already I, kind of just like zigging and zagging. And you're not, you wouldn't necessarily make those had they not manifested themselves in the form of like a list. Correct. Yeah. So there are a lot of different exercises. It's like time-based, it's list-based, it's visual-based. Like we all learn and grow or see ideas in different ways. And so using a lot of those tricks to get your mind full is the best plan to come up with ideas quickly. Yeah, for sure. Adam Morgan coming for the practical stuff early on. I love it. <laughs> this is awesome. I would say any young person going in, go back and get every filthing one show you can find or every CA. And the reason why is because... It's not that you're trying to mimic or copy anything in there, but when you fill your head up with, you know, if you've read every single one show and you know the, whatever, the Timex ad from 96 where the, the watches, you know, don't, yeah. they, they keep working and so people who've had accidents keep working, whatever. Right. All those concepts for years and years and years, you fill your head up with all that fodder and then not only do you know what's, you know, it's already been done, what's so you're not done, repeating yeah. that, but it's also, it's that same thing. You're bringing this list of millions of ideas together in your head and that way you're going to be able to make a new leap to something completely different because you'll remember something from 97 and something in 20, 2011, right? Yeah. And you'll make a connection. So I would say as a student of advertising, read every single one of those ads. Get your little magnifying glass out and read it all, look at it all, see all the visuals and see what all – you can see the big macro trends that flow in and out of our industry. For sure. But put it all in your head. If you don't put it in your head, then you're, you're just missing a huge opportunity. Sean Adams has this thing where he talks about expanding uh, as a designer – uh, expanding your visual vocabulary. And I think in advertising, it's kind of that same thing. It's like, you know, if, if you want to go it alone, then you will have to learn all the lessons that, you know, that all these people have already learned along the way. So it's like, don't, don't like copy, but if you don't have that awareness that that's already out there, mm -hmm. then you will have to learn that, which is such and an interesting think, thing. Same thing with advertising. I think the same exact principle applies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a young creative come up to me with an awesome idea, and I'm like, this is truly an awesome idea But in, in, in 97. <laughs> yeah, so go back and look at them all so you don't come to me with one that's, yeah. that's been and, used And also, too, that way you don't get, like, you know, sued or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. But, what was your favorite campaign that you've done over the years? I mean, I know you've obviously worked with some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, mm. are, you know, it doesn't have to pick one per se, but is there one that kind of comes to mind and that you were really proud of and you rolled it out and you were like, yeah, like that was, that's my stamp. That's my like, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I worked in Jackson Hole, we did a lot of outdoor companies. There were a lot of campaigns that I liked from that era just because, I mean, that's, my hobbies are all in climbing and mountaineering and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But, so it's a, it's a smaller market. It's certainly not, you know, a bigger brands, but, you know, things like Marmot or yeah. climbing ropes or hiking boots like Basque hiking boots and stuff you know cool. th there was certainly some campaigns that I 
that I really liked. Yeah. I, I don't know if anyone's seen them, but <laughs> <laughs> they might. Yeah, they they're fun. There's there's some good ones in there that you know. Yeah. What we did with ropes and unique visual playoffs of things of you know rope creating DNA and brains and other things that are different shapes made out of rope that usually is a windy thing, but um. That's so awesome. I know. I love it. All right, so now you are a senior creative director at Adobe. Uh, you've had a, a great career, and, and for the past three years, five months, you've been with Adobe. Um, so tell me, obviously, you know, it's pretty obvious why you, why you would want to work with Adobe. They're an incredible company, and they're really kind of pioneering the creative landscape, um, and they have been for years. So uh, what made you want to go to Adobe, and um, what are some of the things that you're doing kind of in your day-to-day there, and what are some of the, your favorite things about the job? Okay. Yeah, I went to Adobe. I was, you know, after 20 years of ad agency life, it was a little bit of, you know, you do awesome campaigns, you do amazing things, but it's always for someone else, right? I'm looking, I'm making the CMO of some company look great or right. some other brand look awesome. Yes. And so I, was, I started looking for where is a brand that matches up with me where I can have more of an influence and not just be behind the scenes. Um, and Adobe is the perfect brand, at least for my platform and, and what I'm all about. Because if you look at Adobe, they've got, it's not just the creative half. I mean, certainly back to Photoshop and the creative suite, I mean, they've had that legacy for, for decades. Right. But they also have a really good balance over on the other side, meaning you know, they, they're the ones who invented the PDF, but they've also got this whole experience cloud and marketing cloud and data and analytics. And it's so funny, like for me, that middle ground, like I explained how I'm a middle brainer, right, mm-hmm. before. Yeah. That, that marriage of art and science is really what I'm all about. You know, as, as I explained that I kind of, I've grown up as a creative for 20 years, you know, an agency knowing how to make great ideas, but I always took a, a, a very outside approach to it. It wasn't that Zen approach. It was more of like a, a central approach to it. And at least my platform right now is all about, all right, it, it, I took the approach of explaining to other people how creativity works explain to other people kind of the mystery behind the black box. And once they understood it, it wasn't so scary or weird. Right. And then it was easier to sell ideas. It was easier to have people on your side and understand the value of creative ideas. And now for me, you know, with Adobe, they understand that balance of we need data and some of the best analytics in the world. And we also need amazing art and amazing creativity. Because if you look back in history, there's been this this battle forever. I mean, it's back from like the birth of creative advertising in the 70s when Bernbach was against Ogilvy, right? It was like yeah. more of the scientific method versus, the, you know, super creative. And it's been going like that for, for years. You had agencies who were all about, you know, whatever it was, branding and agencies were all about direct marketing or it was results versus creativity. Right. And that happened all through the 90s and the 2000s and whatnot. It kind of continues today day. in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got people who are like, oh, let's, let's look at data-driven marketing and that's going to solve all our, you know, the world's problems and it's, it's very analytical and we don't have to guess anymore. Right. And then you have still people on the branding side saying, no, no, it's, it's all about the emotions. Right. Um, Just and, dumping millions into influencer market, marketing yeah. and, hope, and yeah. hoping that it works. Yeah, that's crazy. And so for me, finding that middle ground has been, has been critical. And Adobe does a good job of balancing both those things. Like right within the company, we have yeah. to balance. Understand that it takes data to get to good creative ideas. They're you know they're in, they're they're together. It's not separate. It's not a fight. Right. So for me, like even before I went to Adobe, I I've been working on this book for like the last seven years. And actually, I just got signed with a New York publisher about a month ago. So wow. hopefully, it'll be out. Yeah, thank you. That's pretty exciting. Like next summer, it should be out. But yeah. the idea is, it's I'm all about, about a magazine. So I can only imagine. <laughs> That's the real. That's the that's the graduating from the magazine. That's cool. 
uh, it just takes a long time. Like I'm in the middle of all the edits, and it's and it's due to the back to the publisher like January. Oh wow, January. And I'm sweat for the holiday. <laughs> Anyhow, the idea about the book is just, I had this problem back in advertising, the same thing, right? I'd go to a client and I'd try and sell them this creative idea and they'd either be like, that's all a bunch of fluff or that's stupid or that, you know, give me the, you know, just tell me the product benefits and features and, and end the story enough right. with this creative crap. Yeah. So anyhow, I'd always tried to prove that. And so it's so hard in our industry because the way people do it is through case studies. Oh, you know, Apple or Nike did this awesome ad and it won a bunch of awards or it made a bunch of money. Therefore, creative ideas work. And they gave it like the, 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 and this is one of the reasons why Banner really resonated with me because it's like they were, they were, you know, Gary was talking about that, like just they'll, they'll show any bull, you know, they'll show any bullshit metrics to prove mm-hmm. their case and that's all subjective and that could all be manipulated yep. to tell totally. any, any story that you want. So yep. it's In like data driven without any creative or any soul is just. Mindless, really. So yeah. I, well, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it's only supposed to set it up. It's so, and so people could use right. that same case it's study not, for both sides. It's not important. It's very yeah. important. But it's not the, everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the point of my book was, all right, well, how do I do this? How do I go back to a client and say, here's why creative ideas work better. Here's why design is better for the bottom line. And so I took the approach of, well, let's take neuroscience and let's take hard science. And if I'm going to try and prove to some CFO or some left-brainer Here's why creativity is, is, is the safest option, the better option, rather than the scary and the, you know, the, the option that they're afraid of. And so I, that's the whole book is based on proving the value of creative ideas through neuroscience. So we go through all these studies and then examples of how you can put it into play. That sounds and that's, incredible. That's really what it's, yeah, it's just, and it's like ammo. You can give it to every creative and just say, just go give this to the CFO or your client and right. then have a discussion about it. Yeah. And once they really understand how the brain works, once they really understand you know, what makes us human and all of that, there, there shouldn't be an argument that we shouldn't be battling over left brain versus right brain or creative versus results. We should understand in the middle, you know, we have a lot of study or sorry, a lot of studies and a lot of uh, proof as to why it works. So that's right. what I, that's what I like about it and why Adobe is the perfect platform with me because it blends all of that together. I mean, they believe in both halves. They believe in one leads to the other, not they're fighting against each other. Right. For sure. We're trained to be left brain thinkers just from our culture and our schooling. Right. The way we're di- we take tests, the way we're graded, all of that stuff is really left brain thinking. Right. There's a lot of great books on that. If you read like Daniel Pink's, he's got a, a good book on all about, you know, left directed and right directed thinking. And certainly the trend is moving towards right directed thinking, but it's not going to go away. That's why I think like the, the balance is right in the middle. There are all of those CFOs or business types that are, you know, they want numbers, they want data, they want everything. And that's what they're going to base everything off. And going into this creative stuff is just too, too weird for them. Right. But if you look at the trends, design-led companies are killing it. I right. think right now there was a study, it was like the Creative Institute said that they're, they tracked it against the S&P and creative co- design-led companies now are like performing at 211% better than the yeah. S&P. Chobani so is what comes to mind in, in recent times. You've kind of seen like just how they've kind of led with design and just yeah. the change has been crazy. And, you know, they just did a, another rebrand and it's like... And that's not that's not a uh, a left brain decision to re- to revamp the entire thing, but just leading with design and leading with like you know going for people's hearts is really kind of cool. Yeah, so, yeah. So when trends like and, and Adobe's all over this, you know, design led thinking, experience led thinking. You know, we're talking all about that making great brands. It's not just about have, making it pretty, but it's designed from the core, which is design led thinking, and making experiences and what what your customers want and experience like that. Those experiences will rule everything. It's just, and it's, we're in the experience economy. So 
you can ignore a lot of that, but there are certainly companies that are, have caught on to that, that are, are seeing that, that creativity and emotions and logic, like that balance of logic and emotion is so critical and you can't lead with just one. It's got to be both. Right. That's where things are going. And you can, you can ignore that, sure, but you're going to be left in the dust. And so exactly. it, it's all about bringing both, of it, both pieces together. You know, we're not just creative thinkers or, or rational thinkers. We use all of it. And now I'm going to – I'll start quoting studies and other things. But I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's go point. deep. Yeah, that's the point. It's like, well, I'll wait for the book. But <laughs> it's all about bringing those things together. It's all about that balance. I mean that's what makes us human. We really aren't like – someone doesn't have a huge right brain and on a small little pitiful left brain. It's, that's not realistic. Yeah. That you're using it all. So it's just a matter of understanding and not treating it as an outsider or an other or something scary and, and bring it all together. So I, I think we'll get there. I think yeah. the balance is, is coming back. I think we had a taste of creativity in the 90s and we went too far. I mean, there were so many yeah. ads <laughs> and spots that had no strategic grounding. It was just creative for creative sake. Right. And so it's like the pendulum swung too far. And then because of the fear and tight money budgets, everything, you know, the pendulum swung far to the left. And then as we've gotten more and more of this data-driven marketing and analytics and more at our fingertips, it's like we've relied on that as, as truth. But I actually believe that it's swinging back towards the middle. I think we're learning enough from all of that that it's, we're not just going to base it just on, on data and ignore the emotion. Like we're, we're going to get it all back. Right. It'll be more centralized. And let me answer another question you said. You know, a lot of creatives, you say they, they start out with their kind of big dreams and thinking it's all about creativity and screw the, screw the client or the, the left brainer right. and let's just go on and make the world a better place with creativity. And then you see as people move up the chain, suddenly they're, they're a little more tempered in their approach. Yeah. And here's really why. And it, it's, it's a point that I've had with so many creatives that they just really need to understand. There's a huge gap. When you go from being an awesome creative, like a senior writer, a senior designer, to an associate creative director or a creative director and beyond, there is a huge gap. And your world is no longer just about making awesome things or, or the craft. You have to have that nailed by then. What you have to do to succeed and move beyond that, and I would say even as a creative leader, in big business or anywhere in the world, as you jump over that gap and get into leadership and you want a seat at the table and you want to vision and guide things, your world changes. Your world changes to building the machine, not building ads. Your, your world goes to how am I going to create an environment? How am I going to create a company that fosters creativity? And the, in order to get that seat at the table, you have to more and more understand the business. Right. You have to understand the perspective of the MBAs on the board. And so you need to have more of that left brain thinking in order to build the machine. You can't just come at it like this zany creative guy, sit down cross-legged on top of the boardroom table and say, hey man, this is how it's going to be. It's not going to work. So in order to get business done, to build that machine and create an environment for younger creatives to thrive, you have to become a little more of a business thinker. I'm not saying abandon all of your creativity. No, true, have a, yeah keep it all, but you've got to add a lot more of that to your arsenal. And so to be effective as a creative leader and have that seat, you need to, you have to understand both halves. You yeah. have to understand the logic and the emotion and you have to be able to guide people and, and convince them that, that, uh, that both are important and be able, and then be able to build that machine. So that's why people always from the bottom, I remember early on, I'm like, Oh, my creative director is a hack and a salad because he's just right. whatever client wants, he's telling them, but he's like, no, that client is going to fire you unless he's right. understands. So yeah, you, you don't can, have a job if that client's not happy kind of thing, right? Yeah. You can explain it to them and you can try and create it where, you know, it, build that relationship and, and 
get your client to believe in creative ideas and understand the value of it and then be able to, to sell more awesome stuff through. You can't just come in and say, oh, you're an idiot if you don't buy this idea. So it, 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 it's a big gap that you need to cross. Yeah. And once you understand that those skill sets are so different and it's such a different world, then you'll understand if I want to be an awesome creative leader, I've got to embrace both. Right. And I think that's like one of the, the reasons why, you know, one of, one of the, I think it's now the fourth, going on, going on the third most downloaded podcast uh, on Meet to Creatives is James Orsini, who's the chief operating officer at Vayner. And it's funny because some people messaged me were like, uh, operations, like, uh, <laughs> why, why, why operations? James is an interesting case because he worked on, you know, publicists, uh, you know, helped found you know, Saatchi and Saatchi and all these different companies like that. But just hearing the way that he has to readjust his thing to work, like he was saying that he works on, like, you know, he didn't want to work in the corner office. He wanted to work with the creatives. I think mm -hmm. it's kind of like they, you can't have one without the other. You can't grow a huge business without having that left brain and right brain kind of thing. But when they come together and can have like a, a meaningful dialogue, that's really great. When I looked at the creative space and, you know, who was being represented in the creative field, there was never any mention of, of the guys you know, the people in the C-suite who were not chief creative officers, who were not like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the, the creative director. And what I learned from my time working at Hershey and from my time working at you know, BuzzFeed and all these different things is that the uh, realistic picture of the creative space is that those two work together all the time. And you may not be in the boardroom, you may not be in the C-suite, whatever, you know, whatever they call it. But you can't have one without the other. Yeah. I don't know where and, I'm going th with that. But there's like, a quote know. that an old boss of mine said once. He said, you know, if you want to do great creative, the first thing you need to figure out is how your business or how your client makes money. How do they make money? Yeah. And once you understand how they make money, then use creativity, use creative ideas to expand that and then you'll succeed. But right. if you're just out to make fun, creative ideas, I mean, I guess that's just fine art. You know, we're not, yeah. we're not <laughs> fine art. Right. We're in commercial art. It's, it's capitalism. So figure out how you, how they make money and then make creative ideas make you know show how that's the you know the, the right product for you so you are building culture you're building huge brands you're building movements but it's still commercial it's not just you know in a museum it's it's big business yeah so understanding the balance is important perfect and i'd say the other thing like for me going back to your question on adobe why adobe adobe that same chasm that a, a, a creative person has to make when they move into leadership right of going to a, a creative director and beyond and building the machine. That's really what Adobe is about. I mean, they may not necessarily, the people inside that company, be the, the finest artists in the world. Maybe a couple of them are actually, but um, it's really about what we do at Adobe is we're, we're the champions of creative ideas. We are the ones who are empowering you and helping Enabling, the world. Enabling, I feel like that's Enabling, what Adobe yeah, does, yeah. Exactly, we're helping you come up with great ideas and great experiences and great data sets, whatever it may be. And we're like the cheerleaders back there helping elevate it all. And that's awesome. Like, it's so fun to be in a group where at the end of the day, most of our advertising isn't selling a product. We're not trying to say, hey, come use Photoshop because it does this. Right. We're saying, you've got awesome art, keep making more of it. Here's, and we're help, we're gonna help you. You know, getting back to the entry level creative trying to find their way or person who's, you know, just kind of like coming into the field. So like, so for me, I am a, you know, very extroverted, comfortable talking to people. I enjoy making connections, um, and I kind of feel like I have been, even me, I, that I've been standing in my way, in my own way, because out of fear of being rejected or fear of not making it, you know, the imposter syndrome, whatever semantics you want to assign to it. But 
what about people that are not in that position that that are a little bit more on the shy, <laughs> quiet side? You seem like you might be like that a little bit. I don't know. Shy? Yeah. Oh, then I've just I've just been reserved. No, I'm I'm more like you. I'm oh, okay. Extrovert and, That's and good. go out. But I what what about for all the introverts out there? How, yeah. how do you how do you network? Because you went you know publicists and all these different you know these big companies, McCann. Those are not easy places to get your foot in the door without experience. So absolutely. So but let me just tell you this. Yeah. Go ahead. I've known a million creatives in this industry for several decades. And so many of them are the same that even you could be the most confident extrovert in the world, but a creative career is a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And even the best in the world go on this roller coaster ride. And some days you're at the bottom and you feel like you're the worst in the world and you're the biggest hack and you suck. Right. And then some days you'll have an awesome idea or a breakthrough or an award or something happens and you're like at the top of the, of the hill. Mm-hmm but you're never going to stay at the top of the hill. And I think it's just when you have a creative, which is more of an, a, a discovery oriented mind or where you love exploring and looking for the new and trying to find new stuff, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you're going to go on that roller coaster ride. And I do it every day. After 20 years, you'd think you need to get enough confidence that you know what you're doing, but you still feel like sometimes I'm like, what am I even doing in this industry? Why am I even trying? And then other days you're like, yeah, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I, right, I, right. I, it's going to go like, I don't know of anyone, unless they're the biggest tool bag in the world, you know, <laughs> that so full of themselves. Yeah. Most people, really good creatives actually are, are more humble, but they, but they're on this roller coaster. They're on this roller coaster because we're constantly seeing other ideas and appreciating other ideas and other art and other things and being jealous and loving all of it. Right. So right. you're not going to get past that. Just, I would say the best advice I can give to people is embrace it and know it's going to happen. And just know that that, you know, that executive credit director who you've, you, you've got a, like a, a, a crush on because you think that they're the most amazing, you know, talented person in the world. Just yeah. know they're going through that same cycle just as much as you. So just get used to that and know that it's, that's, it's there, accept it, and then just shoot for more peaks than valleys. Yeah. And that's all you can do is just like keep pushing, keep pushing, keep trying. And, and, and you maintain need, the roller coaster. Maintain, yeah, maintain yeah. the roller coaster. Stay on the Dude, road. That's, like, that's, a, that's a t-shirt right there. We're doing that. Yeah. Maintain the roller coaster. When you get off, that's when it's, that's when it's over. When you have too much self-doubt or you step off and you leave the industry or you, you know, leave your creative pursuits, that's when you failed. But you haven't failed when you're at the bottom. Yeah. It's kind of like difficult to, to get your shot. But, mm-hmm. you ha- but the biggest thing is that you have to keep showing up. And so many times where I was just about to quit and like just about to say, like, yeah, fuck this. And I did it, did it those two or three more times. <laughs> those, have been, those have been like the best moments of my life. A lot of people have been writing about that VaynerMedia thing about how like crazy it is about going to talk to Claude and and all this stuff and how great that is. What's so crazy about that experience is is that a month or two before that, I applied for this thing to work on Gary's team and I put it a hundred. I, I put a hundred percent effort in. I made all this stuff. I was tweeting all these people, going above and beyond, and nothing happened. Nothing. Like I was I was so pissed mm-hmm. off, and I had a decision. I had a decision to give up or to, or to keep doing it. And so many times when I first started my journey, I would have given up. But just continuing to not give up and keep pushing on that, so many times you're right there. And you're like, you, just, you don't have enough experience to see that. But now I know as, as, as it's kind of a roller coaster. Sometimes like a, a couple more minutes on the roller coaster and you would have had that thing. 
I don't know how to articulate that in, in a way that's not verbose. And oh, it is. It's just, it's darkest before it's light. That's really like what it is here, right? But I almost didn't do it. And now I'm realizing yeah. it's like, I'll never give up. I'll never give up on anything because I was this close. I was about to say like, I don't care. I'm never sending another thing there. That are, but you know, don't be egocentric. Realize that there are a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other people who are doing the exact same thing that you are, the exact same level of effort. And the people who succeed are the people who don't give up. And if you don't give up, this podcast is getting very touchy-feely lately. <laughs> but I'm That's just trying good. to you convey that. I, I want to get, if I can get through to one person who's ready to throw in the towel and leave our industry. Don't do it. And they're the next Massimo Vignelli. I want to be the person that like <laughs> walks them back off the ledge, you know? <laughs> well, here's the truth. In this industry, there's no security. There's no security at all. Oh, no, none at all. It no. doesn't matter. You know, your job, My any of the companies, no matter what it is, there's no security. Means, yeah. <laughs> so the only security you have is yourself. And if, and if, if, if you give up on yourself, if you get off the ride, if you get off the roller coaster, that's the only time you're really going to crash. So you're right. Stay on. Those people who are talking about the top of like putting your stripes and put in the work and don't just show up, you know, as, as a young kid out of school and expect that everything's going to be handed to you. It's because they've been riding that thing for so many years. They know that's the only way to do it. You're yeah. not, you, you can't just ride it up to the top once and stay there. It's, it's up and down, up and down every day. Yeah. Really like those moments in between on your – this is getting so hippy-dippy. So in. But I'm trying to like – no one talks yeah. about this shit, I feel like. You know what I mean? Like those, those moments in between of like those small little wins, when you reflect back on your life, I think – I don't want to speak for everyone. But I think that those little moments of like that moment I didn't give up and continued to pursue that thing and then that thing happened. That's way more satisfying than like this – You know, they don't like hand you some trophy and be like, you've won life. That yeah, happen, no, no. you know. There's a good book. The uh, the Heath brothers just wrote a book called The Power of Moments, and they talk about the highs and the lows. Like in your life, when you look back, even on vacations or whatever, it is, you only remember the really, really high and the really, really low moments. You don't remember the grinds in between. Yeah. And so, even though you're in the middle of those grinds, you just have to stop and reflect on the highs and the lows. Yeah, because that's what's going to drive you forward. I just recently spoke to uh, the students at my college where I just graduated from almost two years ago now, and uh, I said that. Finding, finding fulfillment in your career is a lot like falling in love. So it's like when you fall in love for the first time, you have nothing to contrast it against. So you give them everything that you are, right? Like you give them, mm -hmm. like you just completely are like, like they become you. And you give up everything, like all of your integrity to, to be in love with them. And then, it, and then they break up with you and you get your heart broken. <laughs> but it's like as life goes on, you start to realize, okay, well, like, I, this is me. This is who I am. I'm going to hold on to this. And now I am learning what I like, like how, how I want to be treated, how I'll never be treated again. And then you kind of just, you know, as time goes on, you just realize, you know, for most people, you kind of just realize it's just, say la vie, life goes on and life keeps moving. And your career is like that. Like when you first, the first time you get fired, like hardcore fired, ugh, I remember that feeling it was like, like it was yesterday. But it's you not, know, it's it's not the end of the world. There's like so no. many more fish in the sea, you know? It's actually kind of funny. I, I'm going to land that, that analogy one day. It's getting there. Would, it's getting there. I'm just going to keep saying it out loud until I can do it better. Yeah. I would hope that some of us get fired early on in our careers. Oh, it's great. That early because failure is so great. It, it will, the whole ego thing, it'll just bring you down to reality and help you understand that, yeah, life's going to go on. It's not going to be in the world, but the same token, you're not everything. So right. you better be a good person. You better be awesome. You better be hustler. Yep. And get out there and do your best or, you're, or it's over, you know. So yeah. there's nothing free, no, no security. Uh, portfolio advice. 
I know that you probably see a lot of portfolios and entry-level designers who want to come work with you. Um, now that we're off the touchy-feely stuff, what mm-hmm. is, you know, on the work? What are you looking for? What are some of the things that you see a lot? Like, what are some of the, the happy things that you see that you see and you're like, oh, why do I keep seeing this? Like, what are the misconceptions? Yeah. And then what are the things that are, what gets you excited? What makes you have that hmm, moment and then, like, want to hire someone? Yeah, I think right now I see a lot of portfolios where people are getting caught up in the medium too too much and not the ideas. So they're like, oh, here's this great you know mobile ad idea, or there's this great you know social campaign thing, but it it doesn't look like anything new, and it looks just like another social campaign. We see a million a day, but it's not even exciting. So yeah. I, I would say the one thing you do is highlight your ideas, highlight the anomalies, highlight something that's different. Otherwise, we're not going to even see it because we're just going to uh, just, you know, one more of those. So make sure it's unique and different. That, that 100% is So do you always... mean like that they're like, they're like live, like, like they're <clears> using <throat> like live surface and like they're worried more about the mock-up than they are like the content yeah, of the work? Totally. Or, or, yeah, Or they're yeah. just like, I see a mock-up of like a that million That was me, by the way. Screens. So if anyone's in that A million position. mobile screens of all these little <laughs> things. And you're like, okay, it's another mobile app. You know, that's fine. It's yeah. well done. It's nice, but it's not unique. It's not in, interesting. So you're trying to spark thought and ideas in, in that creative director as he's looking through your portfolio, like making you stand out. So anomaly, anomaly, anomaly. Look for something unique, something different, something that's not just part of the same. And then the other thing that drives me crazy is just the one idea repeated eight times called a campaign. Just make sure it's not the same thing over and over and over again. Right. Or it's the same concept done five times in 10 different mediums. Just give me a new idea. Yeah. That, that's what... So can you yeah. kind of like elaborate on that? Like I, I, I know what you mean, but I, but I know that when I was in school, I, I, I didn't think that I was like that. I totally was like yeah. that. You, know? you come with a campaign, let's say, and the only thing you're really changing is maybe the main image or the color. And then it's like the same headline on all of them oh, or yeah, yeah. slightly different headline, but it just tweaked a little bit. But it's oh, like, like it's a style guide and you're changing the, the fonts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You're giving me versions of it. You're not giving me new ideas. If you're going to do a campaign, Make sure it's a campaign with different ideas in it because yeah. I want to see depth. I don't want to see that you can change the color. That doesn't do me any good. Yeah. I, I want to see that it, it's going somewhere and it's got some legs versus just repeated like a pattern. So for somebody who wants to work at Adobe, what is the most important thing to have in your portfolio? Is it to have product? Is it to have like, um, you know? No, <clears throat> I would say it's, it, Adobe's all digital. Yeah. If you're really trying to get into, into Adobe, it's not, you're right. Posters and billboards and all that, yeah. Which is, which is awesome. Most people leave school with them. Most people do, and and it's totally this fine. Needs like to change, I, I think. I think that needs. I to see it all the time, and it's fine because I can see. Okay, there's a billboard campaign, but I get the concept. I get the idea, right? Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but just knowing, if, if you know Adobe, it's it's all digital, and it's it's not going to be the print stuff. But at the same token, you know, it, I don't think it's any different than any agency I've worked at. Um, it's still going to be great ideas. It's still going to be a great portfolio. It's going to be, you know, good storytelling, good headlines. I don't think it's any different yeah. just because a, a company that sells products, sure, but we're going to advertise, we're going to market the same way. We want people with big ideas who can share that and, and drive motive and motivate people to, to do stuff. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's any different. So from a personal standpoint for like when you're evaluating that person's character, what are some of the, the best ways as an entry-level designer, going into an interview, like, what are the best ways to carry yourself? Because I feel like sometimes it's like false, like false for bravado mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, 
obviously, like, I think leading with humility is big. Yeah. But, I, like, I, how do you interview and not seem, like, desperate? Or, like, you're trying too hard to be, like, cool, you know? You can see it. Uh, it it's hard. I, I know there's a million articles on LinkedIn on interviewing tactics. Yeah. But the all, truth is, someone who's us. way over the top <laughs> or someone who's way too, you can tell, you know, if someone's super cocky, me and I, a couple other, you know, CDs will interview them and you'll know in a minute just the way people talk, yeah. the way they, they attribute all the value to themselves or whatever. So I'd say just be yourself and be natural and be relaxed. Be, be human and, and show that you have a decent personality. If, if you're like a wallflower, that's not going to go well. But you don't have to be a braggadocio, big voice, come in and rule the, you know, the, the roost. Yeah. It's it just be a good human. And, and, and I think that's true of being hired anywhere. My last job at the agency, it's like we would hire people who are good quality people, who are great to work with, who happen to be talented. You don't start with, all right, this is a really awesome, talented person, but he's a douchebag, but I guess we'll hire him anyhow. It's never going to yeah. happen anymore. Right? So just be a good human. Be, be awesome and, and make sure you have good talent and, and yeah. you'll be good. Where can people find you online? Uh, you're very, again, very low profile, but doing a lot of great things, and I love that. Yeah, I probably should fix that. It's like the cobbler shoes, right? You just yeah. never push your own platform. Yeah. Uh, you can find me. I have a website, returnoniidea.com. Um, and uh, also all over LinkedIn. I'm pretty heavy on LinkedIn and, uh, and some Medium. I write a monthly article usually on this idea of data-driven creativity, trying to balance it all together. So if you want to sign up, I've got a newsletter for that as well. Very cool. Um, and then just on my website, find out about my book. That's coming out this next spring or summer. Cool. Uh, Title TBD. It was Return on Idea, but I may change it to something else. But it's all about proving the value of, of creative ideas. So look for that. But otherwise, yeah, find me on LinkedIn or on my website. Awesome. I would love to uh, have you back on. It doesn't have to be a full hour again. But when your book comes <laughs> out, uh, I would love to talk about your book. And I'd be happy to promote it on my channels and everything. So Adam, yeah. this has been amazing. Yeah. I greatly appreciate your time. This is what happens awesome. when I don't have coffee. I'm like more off the rails than I normally do. <laughs> Same here. All right. Well, thank you. Awesome. Glad I've never Utah. Let's definitely uh, grab beer or, or next time you're in New York. All right. All right. Cheers. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. See you. Just remember on the way home That you don't ever have to feel alone Just stay on the run and get off the grid And hide yourself out like you know that I did And if you might find that you're running is done A little bit of heaven never hurt no one Thanks for checking out this episode of Meet the Creatives. If you enjoyed it, uh, make sure you add me on Instagram, Meet the Creatives NY, and let me know your thoughts. And make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>